Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We have reached the midpoint of our series from the book of Revelation, and this week, the Reverend Dr. John Guest will be preaching from Jesus' letter to the church in Thyatira. Pastor John will be addressing the issues of repentance and how we must hold on to our faith until Jesus comes back. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, I'll be after talking Irish to you. I'll put on my Irish cap. And say top of the morning to you. What do you think? Hmm? My, <laughs> the cap is my wife's idea. <laughs> but it is mine too. <laughs> I mean, my cap. It always gives me great pleasure, now returning to my regular manner of speech, to tell you that St. Patrick was English. (laughs) Ooh, does that great with all my Irish friends. English. He really was the son of a Roman officer. And back, way back when, a marauding bunch of wild Irish tribesmen invaded England and stole away this young lad and he became slave labor to this Irish tribe in Ireland. His name was Patrick. He spent a number of years in that miserable state of affairs and like a voice from God called him toward the ocean, the Irish Sea, he boarded a ship managed to get a boarding, and ended up in Europe where he got connected to a monastery and a monastic order that led him to faith in Christ. He spent a number of years training and was ordained and commissioned and sent back to be the apostle, the first preaching missionary to Ireland. Now just feature that. He'd been a slave there. God rescued him, redeemed him, anointed him, and called him back to Ireland to be a missionary there. Now that's not dissimilar to the way things happen. We're talking about Jamie going to Rochester, Pennsylvania. This isn't just a change of job. It's not like he's moving on to another church, like people move on in their careers, whether it's with whomever. Even playing for the Steelers, guys move on. Lost a couple of good ones recently. It crossed my mind this morning, only this morning, as I was reflecting on this being Jamie's last Sunday, that it was about 50 years ago, the Billy Graham team sent Billy Graham's brother-in-law, Leighton Ford, 
to do an evangelistic preaching mission in Rochester, PA. And they held it at the high school in the auditorium. A week of meetings in the evening in the Rochester High School Auditorium. And guess who was their special music? I was the Brad Labarkin of 50 years ago with my guitar, my English accent, talking about Jesus and playing my guitar. And I thought to myself, Jamie is going to be a part of the church in Rochester. Church that's been there in God's mind all down through the years. I was a part of that church for a week. That's before I ever got into a church ministry in Pittsburgh. God has called Jamie to be a missionary in Beaver County from whence he came. That's tough for us. But when you get that vision, it's very much in line with what we've said about St. Patrick and very much in line with the church that we're looking at right now in Thyatira. Do you ever wonder how that church got to be there? Well, let me tell you a possibility, because the name of that city turns up earlier in the scripture. In Acts chapter 16, Paul is called, Paul the Apostle, is called from working amongst the the area that's now called Turkey, called Asia Minor, Minor in those days, called from there by a vision to go up into Europe, what is now Macedonia, right up against Greece. So he's crossing over some mystical line from the east to the west. And he goes to Philippi and preaches there. And there is a woman who's doing business in selling purple, purple dyes, probably purple dyed goods. Her name was Lydia, and Lydia was from Thyatira. And she was the first to open up her heart to the preaching of the gospel through Paul, was born again spiritually, actually invited Paul along with his followers to whatever home she was staying in there in Philippi. And the suspicion is that she is the one who took the gospel back to Thyatira and shared that gospel so that years later, here is Jesus now sending a message to that church. And to put this all in the same context of whether it's a church here in Grove Farm, church in Rochester, PA, church in Philippi, the church in Thyatira, listen to these words. The church is very precious to Jesus. We are not just another organization. 
in just another school district or another city. The Bible describes the believers as the body of Christ, the very dwelling place of Christ, gathered by Christ, made new by Jesus, joined to each other by his Spirit as one family, one body, changing the imagery The church is the bride of Christ, beautifully adorned like a bride prepared for her husband. That's the church, the ecclesia, the word from which we get ecclesiology or ecclesiastics, meaning the gathering not just a society, but the gathered body of Jesus, the bride of Christ. Can you imagine you, us, we, are the body of Christ and very, very precious to him? So when he writes this message and sends it to Thyatira. He says, these are the words of the Son of God. God Almighty sending a love letter to his bride and to us this morning. So here is the word. It's the word first describing him, the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire. His eyes are like blazing fire. That is, on fire with holy insight, vision into who we are and into what on earth is going on around us. And then it says, his feet are like burnished bronze, that is, steadfast, absolutely sure, solidly behind what is right, solidly standing there against what is wrong, faithful, steadfast, sure. That's Jesus. That's how he communicates himself. And it's in that context that he goes on then to bless them and praise them with these words. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. That's a great compliment. For instance, the church at Ephesus earlier on He says, you have lost your first love. Repent and return and do the works of your first love. To Thyatira, he says, you are doing better than you did at first. That first burst of passion and love and joy, you're adding on to that, which is a tremendous encouragement. And in the same way, he would speak to us, say, well done. And tell us 
that behind the scenes, whatever he sees going on in and our lives, with the vast variety of opportunities and ministries, some of them spoken about just here, some of them anticipated as Jamie takes off for Rochester, a missionary journey just a few miles up the river, or down the river. Well done. But then he goes on to say this. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and to the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Just last week, we spoke about the connection between idol worship and filthy, foul, sexual behaviors all in the name of worship in an idol temple. But what's bad about this, even worse, is she's calling herself like a prophet of the Lord. She's claiming to be a prophet, but misleading people into what she calls the deep things of Satan, literally it's mentioned here, and is destroying families, It's like a festering sore on the side of the church in the name of being a prophet. Listen. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's going to do business here. Do you remember Jesus saying of little children as he would gather them just as we dedicated a child this morning and saying of that little child such is the kingdom of God and woe to the man the person who leads that child to stumble it were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck and that he was cast into the deep into the sea that's how precious the child is and that in the name of any religion that anything like that would be done to cause a child to stumble it would be better for that man if a millstone were hung about his neck and he was cast into the deep said Jesus and that's how precious we the body of Christ is to him and that there would be this Jezebel in the middle of things they call her Jezebel in all probability this is what all say who've written anything about this particular text not because that was really her name but she was a facsimile of the original Jezebel who became queen of Israel by marrying into the royal family and then led them astray into all kinds of foul, bale, evil worship and sexual promiscuity and chased away the priests and the prophets of the Lord and led the nation as a whole into foul, abysmal sin. That Jezebel becomes like the 
image of this Jezebel among the people of God, leading them into corruption. Doing it even in the name of religion. We are precious to our Lord. What's he going to do when there's somebody raping the bride of Christ? What's he going to do? Amazingly, this is astounding to me, because I'm just a regular guy like you, that he gives her the chance to repent. Listen to this. He goes on to say, I have given her time to repent of her immorality. Do you know the Bible literally says that God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And God's giving this Jezebel of a woman an opportunity to repent. But it goes on to say, she is unwilling. As a result, I will cast her on a bed of suffering, the the very bed of her sexual promiscuity becomes her bed of judgment and suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. Isn't that great that God, as foul and as messed up as we may be, or behave here and there, God gives us the chance to repent and begin again? He is much more merciful than I am. But the truth of the matter is, I am so glad that God has given me those chances to repent and return and begin again. To forgive as I've been forgiven. And then he goes on very severely to say, this is Jesus speaking, I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and that I will repay each of you according to your deeds. This is serious business, because Jesus counts us, his church, precious. We're not just people we call believers. We are that. But the price of our coming to faith and being forgiven and made new was the death of Jesus. I mean, here we are in the middle of this season we call Lent. By the way, the word Lent, you go look that up in the dictionary, simply is an old English word for spring, springtime. But Easter always turns up in the springtime of each year. They've taken these 40 days, paralleling the 40 days of the wilderness experience of Jesus, and brought them up into our experience as a way of preparing for the coming of Jesus on the cross to be our Savior and the resurrection in the same way that Jesus was preparing himself for ministry in the wilderness, 
in that 40 days of fasting. Well, here we are in the middle of that season now. A season that brings us all the way to the cross. I do ask you to take every opportunity you can and to bring others with you to that Good Friday three-hour service on the evening of Good Friday. That's the holiest service of our season. People who've been to that service, and we, your pastors, will be preaching the seven words, last statements of Jesus, and choir will be singing. This will all be over in the sanctuary. Three hours with Jesus. Good Friday. But that's how precious we are to him, that he was willing to go to the cross. We are not our own. We've been purchased with the blood of Christ. That's nothing is more expensive. What more could God do? He did all he could do so that we might be his and be the bride of Christ. And so when anything poisons and contaminates and comes in, as I said, like this festering scab of a sore in Jezebel, he is going to move with precise judgment because the church is his. Hell won't prevail against it and neither will all the Jezebels of this world. He is the Lord. There's one other thing he mentions here. He says, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you, only hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on. Like by the skin of your teeth, by your fingernails. Hold on. Trust him. Whatever it is you're going through, trust him. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to what you have. You remember there was a... (laughs) A love song. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to him. Hold on. Bow your heads with me and let's talk to this Lord Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus, even for those watching by the miracle of Wi-Fi online as you've been speaking to them as you have been speaking to us so Lord Jesus we turn our eyes toward you look you in the face know that you read us clear and simple through and through Thank you for your encouragements for what we're doing right. Thank you for the blessing that that encouragement is to be cheered on by you. 
But, O oh Lord Jesus, forgive us where we have stubbornly held on to bad habits, bad ideas, bad attitudes, bad relationships, bad dispositions, bad behaviors. Have mercy on us, Lord. Thank you for your willingness to wait and bring us to repentance. Thank you for how precious we are to you, how much you love us. As hard as it is for us to believe that you really do love us, we know who we are, Lord. We know who we are. But thank you for who you are. Absolutely steadfast. Always who you are. Yesterday, today and forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us the grace to hold on to what we have. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.